You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the games edition. A gaming podcast for people who want honest opinions by freaks with nothing better to do with their time. Here's Roger and his crew. Hello and welcome to Bow Down to Us, the games edition. We are very happy to have a special edition here for you all to listen to. And we've got some guests from Enmasse, the boys who are working on Terror right now, which is one of the most anticipated games for next year. Not just one of the most anticipated MMOs, one of the most anticipated games. Now we've got Brian Knox, who is a senior producer on the game, as well as David Noonan, who is the lead writer. We've had them both on before at different times, and we appreciate them coming back. We've also got Jason in the background, the PR guy, who is fantastic to deal with, and he's got the cattle prod to make sure they don't say what they're not supposed to talk about. We will be careful in the topics that we choose, however, if, of course, we touch on anything you're not allowed to talk about. Once you've been sufficiently prodded, you can just say we can't comment on that. So, boys, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back. It's good to be here. Yep, we're excited. All right. So, actually, we're going to start off with Vince, because Vince had a couple of questions for you guys uh, in terms of the races. Yeah, so I figured where what better place to start this interview than at the beginning of the game. Uh, We've learned that all of the races are going to share a starting area and have a similar quest progression from there. One of the things I was interested in, simply because there's such fantastic lore for each race, is later on, is there going to be any race-specific content, or is it pretty much going to be the same across the board? I would say that uh, there's race-specific content, but it's not race-exclusive content. Uh, There are certainly... Parts of the game where you'll explore the politics in the Papori Kingdom, for example, or what the Amani are up to on the frontier. And if you are a Papori or an Amani player, that's going to be deeply interesting to you. But the plan is that that's also interesting if you're a human or a high elf, that you're going to get a unique perspective on each of the races as you go through the game. So there's a lot of race-specific stuff, but it's not race-exclusive. We're not going to wall off any class, any quests and say, you can't do these because you're not the right race. Okay, that, that, that's perfectly understandable. Um, maybe at least some special quest text if you're the correct race, though. That's one of the things that we work on is trying to uh, that's there's a coding challenge there. But when possible, we try to get each race to have uh, a distinctive voicing. And so you'll really feel when you're talking to an Amani, you'll feel you'll get that Amani vibe. And that's something I work a lot with with the other writers is really internalizing those voices and uh, getting them to really come through in the game. Now, in terms of the starting areas as well, um, something that we've found with other games, and it's especially true of MMOs as well, if you have only the one starting zone, it does become something that becomes um, less enjoyable if you are an altaholic kind of thing. Mm. Not with everybody. Some people have made it very clear that they love doing the starter quest, doesn't matter what it is. Do you guys actually have any other plans, though, of introducing new zones or whatever, even if they are only for starter zones, so that you have more choices? 
Uh, so I think the you know the wonderful thing about an MMO is it's you know it's a living, breathing beast, and so it's something that we're going to continually you know grow and develop. Um, so you know you can never say never in an MMO because you know things will change, the world will change, and you know there'll be different quests and adventures to go on in different areas for different levels. Um, you know, but you know for right now our focus is on making sure that that you know that initial experience is good for all users, and that you know that's going to be our, our single kind of point for new users but we do have uh, some mechanics in place later on to where we can i guess you know ease people through it a little bit quicker you're able to share items amongst your account through your bank um you're able you know we're working on some good systems to improve your alt characters so that things go a little bit quicker for you so you don't feel like oh i gotta go through this again it's more of a you know oh this is cool and it's going a lot faster this time because i know how to do it and i'm you know i'm better at this game and in terms of the starter zone, um, how many levels are we talking about before you can branch out at that point and hit various areas and you're not limited to a, a linear progression? So at a level 11, you're going to leave our, our starting island in. Um, that's kind of when the main story is going to start getting revealed to you and you're going to start, you know, uncovering, you know, what it is that, you know, your character is entrenched in. Okay, let's move on from there to some class questions then. Um, you've given us a lot of information recently on a bunch of different classes, which has been really phenomenal. We've been reading this, just soaking it all up. Um, there's a couple of stuff that, uh, things that uh, Vince wanted to talk about with the both the archer as well as the warrior. So go ahead, Vince. Yeah, I saw that archer video that came out uh, not that long ago, and it was just phenomenal. A, a great great game that you guys have here and one thing that really uh caught my eye was how the archer was able to charge up some of their special moves mm. not just in general but while they were on the run and i thought that was a really cool mechanic and wondering if that was uh something limited to just the archer or is it only select skills for that class or the other classes that can utilize that same mechanic no all the i think all of the classes i'm trying to mentally go through the list i I think all of the classes have one or two skills that use that charge up mechanic where you'll charge and hold as long as you can and then release at just, you know, according to your own sense of timing and the tactics of things. That's the archer probably has more than most because it, it feels very archery, right? To be holding the bow back and holding that arrow on target. It feels it, it's a particularly good match for archers, so we do it with them a lot. But the melee classes have that as well. The spellcasting classes have that. Uh, it's it's a it's a mechanic we're very fond of. And the other classes can do it while they're still on the move as well. That is something that is earned. Uh, mm. You at, at first uh, the charge is we force you to be stationary, and that's a balancing thing that makes it uh, very sort of a risk element in the moment there where you're you're stuck in place as long as you're charging and then as you get higher levels of those attacks uh, that then we start to take the governor off of the throttle and you can move around which is pretty much needed in your type of game especially because you're going to want to be dodging attacks and all that so if while you're dodging or moving away from a specific attack that a, a boss has and you can be charging an attack uh, an attack of your own then it actually works really well together that, those mechanics yep that's where uh, the skill comes into play and you know it's one of those things that as a player you're going to have to balance it because while you're going to be able to move with those attacks you're going to be a little bit slower right and so you need to make sure that you're charging it for a reason because it's high impact, but at the same time, you're not leaving yourself vulnerable to an attack. 
moving away from the archer to someplace I didn't think I would ever have any interest because in any MMO, the warrior class has always been one of my least favorites. So I was very interested how the warrior class in Terra is very appealing to me just because of how different it is from the traditional warrior role. And what what I caught from some of the uh, articles I've been reading about the warrior is that they, they, they function more as an evasion tank instead of like what we would consider a mitigation tank, correct? Yes. Okay. So how, how exactly does that fit into the group dynamics? Um, would they would they work more as say an off tank working alongside a lancer, or is it actually possible that they can replace the lancer and be the main tank of a standard group? Um, it is very possible and will be uh, necessary for them to be the main tank of parties. It, it's just a different style that I don't think the you know players are familiar with because it's kind of new and different. It's it's controlled chaos in terms of aggro management and making sure that you know while you're you're evading and dodging out of the way you're still controlling where you're dodging and setting yourself up and keeping the you know the enemy that you're engaged with in a way to where other users aren't losing their damage because you're rolling all over the place right because they're you know if you just keep dodging and moving and then nobody can aim and hit the thing and you know you've got a mess right so a good evasion tank is going to have kind of that controlled chaos in terms of understanding where he's dodging and where he's getting back up and keeping you know the monster in place so that you can maximize your damage because it's just you know battle and terra is is movement all over the place and you can tell the more experienced groups from the less experienced groups by how much they're moving around the room the less experienced groups bouncing off the walls all over the place because they just they can't control it and that things are getting out of hand and the, the tank doesn't understand that you know i've got to you know control where i'm moving so that the monster moves with me and so you can tell the more experienced groups you know just like in a battlefield you know in real life like you know the good ones know what they're doing and they know their positions and where they're at whereas you know the chaotic ones not not so great and um are fights being balanced so that they'll work equally well with the two what we've seen so far tanking classes or are there going to be ones where say the lancer is the better of the two for a given encounter you know it's that's a hard one you know, like to balance, right? Because there are going to be certain encounters with certain monsters where, you know, the warrior is probably going to be a little bit better, but it could just be a preference thing to, to users and party play style too, right? You know, some, you know, if you have a lot of ranged classes, then they might, you know, work better with a lancer or, you know, versus a melee classes, like if you have a couple slayers with a warrior. So, you know, I think the entire party dynamic is going to be a little bit more important than say, um, you know, just one class in or out. But at the same time, you know, we want to balance it to where it's achievable by as many different varieties as possible so that, you know, players don't feel like, oh, well, we can't do this one because we have a Lancer with us. Right. So it's, it's, it's important that those two are interchangeable, but I, I'm positive there will be cases where one has the edge or not has the edge. So. Okay, well, on the same kind of subject here, when we're talking about your, your class dynamics and one is more required than the other, when we're looking at priests and mystics, what I'm getting out of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, what I'm getting out of it is pretty much that your priest is going to always be your primary healer. Your mystic can act as a primary healer in a pinch. However, it's not really going to be a an ideal situation. You pretty much always want... A priest. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that how it's going to be? 
Uh, I will correct you. <laughs> um, okay. It is our goal for the mystic to be used as a primary healer, but in a different way, in a different sense. They're not going to be just that pure direct healing. You know, all the, the ancillary benefits, you know, the jack of, tr of all trades of the mystic will add up to where they don't have to be as good a healer as the priest. Um, you know, and honestly, right now, priest is much better healing than a mystic and it's actually something that we've discovered through our focus group tests and our you know and our player feedback and so the mystic needs a little bit of love right now and you know the current version that's you know the, the hot off the presses from the development team the mystic's a lot better uh but that's you know that's the balance of an mmo and making sure the classes can you know be interchangeable but each kind of still have their advantage and disadvantage See, that's something that I I was immediately drawn to the Mystic class in a very large way. So as I'd been reading stuff that was saying that, no, they're not really made to be the primary healer, that they are more of a support class, I was a little disappointed. Now, I can appreciate how it would certainly help a group dynamic and that they could do a lot for the group, but I really wanted it to be that you can play it as the main healer, just as good as a priest, only differently. And see, it's that jack-of-all-trades mentality, which I loved. I mean, if we want to talk about other games such as, say, WoW, I love playing the hybrid classes because you have so much flexibility. And that's part of what also drew me to the Mystic. Now, when we're talking about jack-of-all-trades with the Mystic, just how wide are we talking about here? Exactly what roles are they capable of filling if they glyph towards it and if they specialize in it? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to go with the buffs and the debuffs, um, where, you know, I kind of see those as two separate paths. And then you, you can focus a little bit kind of on your damage, a little bit of the damage over time type of spell. Um, and then the, the healing aspect as well. So I, I kind of say those are the kind of four areas that they touch on. And so it's going to be a far different play style than what we've ever seen for a healer, probably. Yeah, I, w I would actually agree with that. I think that those, you know, those other benefits will will change the way the actual healing takes place. And in general, Terra is a completely different game when it comes to healing than any game you've seen. I think that, you know, it's it's not going to be that class of like, oh, I got to be the healer where I just look at health and heal. It's you no, know, the healer is running around and really making sure that things are in line. And because if people are running around with their heads off because they're low damage that party's going to fail and so the healer needs to make sure that you know he tells the people either you're looking for me or you're staying put because otherwise you're not getting healed <laughs> i love that now let's stay with healers again and talk about the priests from what i'm seeing here the priests are going to be having like casting heals heals over time instant cast heals they're pretty much going to be able to do everything correct uh yeah there, there's a lot of different types of heals there's you know, like you said, the air of effect one, there's there's one where it's um, you kind of tag the group members like one, two, three, and then boom, you fire off your heal. There's a larger healing circle where it does a regeneration over time. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of good uh, types of heals, I guess you could say. <laughs> what are some of the mechanics that you're putting into place for healing? Now, we haven't taken place in any of the testing and I've only seen whatever videos have been available. So if again, if this is common knowledge, we just haven't seen it yet. Like in terms of your priest role while you are, say, in an instance, are we looking at something that's going to be very similar to what we've seen in 
damn near every MMO where it's a heal, sit down, drink, run to catch up to the group, heal, sit down, <laughs> drink, run to catch up to the group, to, and scream at them whenever you're out of mana that that means stop. Um, is it going to be that kind of thing? How are you handling mana regeneration and things like that for your healer? Uh, mana generation, you know, happens, you know, different classes kind of do it different ways. Some classes have the ability, you know, to do like they toggle a mana region spell. And then as long as they don't engage in combat, it can be during combat. But as long as they're not attacking or being attacked, their mana will regen really fast. Um, there's some potion options. There's the campfire option, which is in between combat. But on the whole, like mana is very fluid in combat. So just because you run out doesn't mean that you're done with the fight and it's over. So you're going to be able to regen it back up during the fight. Um, so it's just, I, I think it, it's going to be a lot more movement for a healer than they're used to instead of standing the best place away from the damage. It's going to be making sure that you're in a position to heal your guys when you need to. And then managing, you know, your mana along with, you know, the health of, the, the the tank and then the damage classes that you know maybe getting in places they shouldn't be as a practical matter when i'm healing i'm probably spending two-thirds of my time looking at the mob that we're fighting and only a third of the time is even spent looking at what my mana bar is at and what the exact health bars of the exact people i'm with usually i'm my eyes are on the big bad scary thing that's trying to eat me that's actually pretty awesome because that's something that it's a, it's a design in a game that I've hated forever because it stops the flow of your instance run. You are fight, stop, fight, stop, and it's not an even flow that actually keeps you ramped up and revved up till you get to the final boss. So, no, that's excellent to hear. Let's actually move away from the the classes now and touch on the achievements because this oh dude <laughs> this is hmm. freaking awesome this has got us salivating for those of us who are lore nerds who love knowing as much as we can about a game the the, the way that you've done it where you are embedding the achievements into the lore of the game and things like that into the questing is really fantastic now um, are you looking at the achievement system as a means of inserting more lore into the game via uh, like a lot more questing? What, what kind of scope are we talking about here? It, it is certainly one way that we're doing it. It's, it's by no means the only way or even the primary way, but I think it's a really interesting way because of the way achievements naturally flow into gameplay. When you unlock an achievement, that's almost always at sort of a good moment for you, and it's almost always at the conclusion of an interesting moment for you. So that's a good time to nail you with a little bite of story. And just, you know, we don't want to be interruptive of gameplay, but we're catching you at a good point uh, when you get that achievement. So it is a really good opportunity to just lay a little lore on you at that moment. That's actually one of the things that the writing team is working on right now is delving deeper into the achievement system. And we're we're doing a lot with the writing of that, actually, in the coming few weeks. So uh, when we're talking about achievements here, um, what kind of scope do we have? Like, obviously, there's going to be achievements tied to, like you said, quest lines and whatnot. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some obscure ones like kill 5000 squirrels or something like that. But uh, I'm thinking more in a global sense. Like, is there is there achievements in the game that a player is really going to strive for maybe even the entire time they're playing a game? Something that, you know, someone's not just going to walk in and knock it out in five minutes. Something that a player really has to dedicate themselves to earn. I'm going to have to demure on that a little bit. The exact scope of how far we go with the achievements is not settled yet. It's something we're actively working on still. 
um, is there really any gameplay aspects you're going to miss if you don't really care about the the achievements? Like if you just want to, you know, do your thing and the achievement point, the points don't matter. It's just a number. Is there really anything that you're going to miss out on aside from uh, the points? I don't think so. No, I mean, it's we want Terra gameplay to feel as natural as possible. And a lot of people, especially people who've come from previous MMOs, they at least have some sense of what they want to get out of the game. And the nice thing about Terra is it's a big game and it's a big world. So you can kind of do your own thing and, you know, do what you want with your friends. And whether, you know, you have a million achievement points or just 20 achievement points, it doesn't really affect the fun you have over the course of an evening. So you're not planning on actually introducing any achievement um, rewards at any point that are not just, and I say just not in a negative way, further lower stories or anything so um achievements will benefit you with uh, titles right now that's the the main reward we're looking at because that's one of those things you know especially you know for a lore person is like i've gone through this quest line or i've seen this place and you know i've earned that so people kind of know what they've experienced and the easiest way to represent that is right next to your name um you know i think that you know the key to the achievement system is that we built a base to build on you know, for the game and for later. And so it's something that we can take to, you know, like I talked about in the beginning, it's an MMO and we can grow it. And so we've got our base, you know, and now we can build on it. Okay, cool. So keeping with like uh, different aspects of the game and what we're going to get from it, let's talk about crafting and gathering right now. So we've gotten more information about, we've seen some videos about the, the gathering and the, the, uh, the, the crafting of professions. What kind of balancing are we going to be seeing in terms of what you can create in uh, via versus, uh, via your crafting and versus what you can get from instances or whatever? So it's actually, you know, it's kind of a good topic. I actually spent some time with the lead designer on this specifically. Of, you know, tell me, tell me where things rank. You know, where do drops rank? Where do, um, you know, kind of turn in systems like a badge type of system or a token system rank? Where does the the main boss uh, loot rank? Where does crafting rank? And you know, what's the kind of progression and gear flow? And you know, there there's different types of craft. There's the crafting where you can earn materials through the instances, and then there's the crafting you can earn through the fields. And, um, you know, each of those are going to be different levels in terms of the gear that you can make from those materials. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that right there is two separate classes of crafting items. And then on top of that, you can actually enchant your crafted items, and you can keep ranking them up. And as you rank them up, you can get them damn near close to being, uh, you know, actually boss monster drops. So, you know, will it be difficult to get at that level? Yeah, but you know, will the reward be there? Definitely. So uh, I'm getting that it's going to be fairly important to the core of the game, but a lot of people like Roger don't really like crafting <laughs> that much. <laughs> On the other hand, I love it. Like even if it's not important to the game, I make it important to my game because it's just something I enjoy doing. Is it going to be semi-required, like as a stepping stone to get to maybe higher level gear, higher level content, or? Can people ignore it if they really want to? Uh, you know, the good thing about crafting is that right now the items are tradable. And that means that, you know, you can always buy your way in. Uh, so I think it's it's one of those things that if you enjoy it and you want to make some money off of it and, you know, it's your thing, then by all means go after it. If you're not like personally myself, not a crafter, right? I craft it if it can, you know, 
squelch out a little bit extra in my uh, damage, right? Because I want to I want to min max my guy to be as much damage as possible. So if crafting is the way I do it, then that's what I do. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of people that will spend hours and hours crafting it. You know, our goal with crafting is not make it painful, make it fun, and you know, make sure that there is a reason for people to do it, and it's not just there just to be there. Okay, let's move away from there and let's talk about some mounts and travel, which you've given us more information about recently, which is really awesome. The travel between cities, as you've said, is going to be using a, uh, a Pegasus, which is basically your Griffin ride, as we've seen in other games. How many flight paths are we going to see? Is it going to be fairly common to have flight paths everywhere for your Pegasus? Uh, no, actually. I think Pegasus is... You know, it, it's interesting because I don't think that it's going to be a primary means of regular travel so much as it's going to be your initial foray into that area. Uh, so it's, you know, you've discovered, you know, or been led onto a quest that's going to lead you somewhere. So you'll take the Pegasus in. But after that, you're able to actually purchase scrolls of teleportation. And a lot of these scrolls can take you straight to a city. So I could have a teleportation scroll um, straight back to Velika or straight to Kayator or, you know, in some of the other towns. So I think that teleportation is actually used a lot in our game, which makes travel a lot quicker and easier. Um, and then on top of that, there's actually what we're calling a, I don't know actually what the finalized name is, but uh, they're they're basically teleporters inside the mini the mini towns, I guess, not the main cities, that can take you out to hunting grounds, and that way you can quickly get to your hunting ground, and you don't even have to wait for you know your guy to you know fluff up the Pegasus, you know straddle on, fly around in circle for a little while. Uh, no, it's just boom, you teleport, you're there, and you arrive, and you can you know get on your way. So it's just you know kind of taking that that pain out of travel. The Pegasus is mostly, as Brian said, used for the big continental travel. But even then, it's different uh, from some other games in that you're not flapping your wings the whole time as you take a 10-minute journey from the North Pole to the South Pole. Each The Pegasus works in conjunction with this sort of magical Stargate-type system, and there's a whole lore thing there that we'll get into as we get closer to the game. <laughs> after a after you get sort of a cruising altitude, then the Pegasus flies through this stargate and there's this really dramatic hyperwarp graphic and then you arrive at your destination. It's, it, it, you don't have time to go upstairs and make a sandwich and come back down and see yourself still flapping around. And are you looking at any of these modes of travel as being a money sink? Because any of these games, you need money sinks throughout. And we've seen in some of the other MMOs where travel is a money sink, and in some cases, quite a huge money sink. The, the teleportation exactly to a city is a pretty big money sink. Um, I would say that the teleportation to the hunting grounds, not as much. But if you want to always carry around a scroll to you know, return to Velika, that's going to cost you some change. But it's also so fast and so convenient that it might be worth it to you. And in terms of money sinks as well, we've seen in other recent games where dying is when hell of a, a money sink, regardless of the mechanic that's used, if it's you lose some experience or whatever, things like that. Are you guys planning the same kind of thing? So there is a, there's a few options when you die, um, or a few chances as well. So there's no experience loss, which is you know I think a big relief, especially to Western gamers. That's not something that <laughs> is common or is like. Don't you take um, my experience away? <laughs> exactly. Um, 
the, when you die, uh, your stamina will go to 0%, and you can stand around uh, a specific campfire, and that will regenerate you all the way back up to 120% within five minutes. Or you can purchase that back for a fee so that, you know, people that are, you know, like me and just want to go, 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 uh, they don't have to stand around. But, you know, it's it's a money sink that's there for some people and not for others. Um, there's also, you know, the crystal system in the game. Um, and there's a chance that some of your crystals could shatter on death. It's a little bit more rare than common, uh, but those are easily purchasable back at the stores um, as well. So it's it, that, that's another possible money sink. So you could die and cost you nothing, or you could die and you know you said ah you know what I want to get back out there and I lost a crystal, so it'll cost you a little bit more. Okay, I know that we're running close to the end of the interview time here so we'll just touch on a couple of questions really fast the other mode of travel that you've been announcing has been your mounts which you're getting at level 25 are there going to be any race specific mounts or is everybody getting the same uh right now you know like i said we're building the bases of the game and so we have a mount system and the horses are going to be for everyone at this point but you know not to say in the future there won't be something so there is consideration of actually introducing more mounts as you level up so that you can essentially collect them as we've seen in other games. Certainly. And there's, there's going to be a variety of horses too. So Okay. And in terms of mount speed, is it the same speed from the moment you get it or are you going to be able to level it up so that it goes faster as you level up yourself? We'll, we'll have more information on that, uh, you know, in the future. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So let's talk just to end the the interview. You guys have had a lot more input now from players who've been able to play the game at various events or whatever. What's some of the positive feedback that you've got, not just in terms of saying, oh, this is awesome, but in terms of actually providing you with constructive critiques that you've been able to use? Uh, The simplest one I always point to is actually jump. Uh, When we did our first test and you know, the, there was no jump in the game. Now, so, you know, some, some games that works really great on. Um, our game needed it, and so our players spoke loud and <laughs> very loud about it. And, you know, it was something we talked to designers and the programmers, and they all looked at me very, very scared because, you know, when you add jump to an action MMO, it adds a whole other layer in terms of, you know, it just difficulty and programming and calculations because we have all these, like, you know, hit boxes and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I think we settled on a, a really good, you know, jump animation and how it affects Comet and how it doesn't affect Comet. And so that was a big one. Um, and then the achievement system was, you know, something that was really looked upon from our players and they really wanted, you know, you know, for the Western game. Okay, well, actually, that's going to wrap us up. We've used up enough of your time. We appreciate you guys coming out here. The uh, The new information that we've been getting, not just from in terms of the races, that you've been giving highlights on various races, but also the different classes and all that, has been fantastic. You guys are doing phenomenal work. The website is looking excellent. People should definitely be visiting it. I'll be putting all the links in the show notes. So, again, guys, I want to thank you very much for coming out to answer these questions for us. We do appreciate it. No problem at all. We can talk about this stuff all day. Thanks, man. We love it. (laughs) All right. Take care.